Good morning, everyone. It's great to see everybody. I'm going to go ahead and invite everyone to stand. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started this morning. And as always, uh, we just invite you to worship freely, whether that's sitting, standing, whatever it may be. We want you to worship comfortably and freely. And let's, uh, let's just go ahead and open with a word of prayer this morning. Father God, we just thank you for all that you do and all that you are, Lord. We invite you into this place this morning. God, we pray that you would just open our hearts, open our minds. God, that we would experience you in just an incredible way this morning. God, we want to get to know you. Meet us here. I pray that everything that just comes from this room this morning, God, would just bless your heart. Be with us now, and in your name we pray.
Why don't you go ahead and have a seat this morning? Uh, that song we just sang says that when darkness seems to hide his face, I'll rest in his unending grace. I hope you understand this morning what a powerful, powerful statement that is, that there's no amount of darkness that can block out the light of God's love and his grace and his mercy. They're unending and they're new every morning. Praise God for his grace and his mercy. Hey, we've got a lot going on uh, this morning. I thought I'd just run up here on stage from the front because if you can't tell, um, we've got a big pool here in the middle, um, and I thought nothing would make some of you happier than to watch me trip and fall into that water before I preached. Um, so we've got a lot of exciting things going on. We're baptizing some people. Uh, we have communion um, that we're going to take together. So I'm going to talk for just a few minutes um, in the way of a sermon, and then we'll uh, get into those ideas as well. Um, with us not having an announcement video this week, there are a couple things I want to highlight for us. Um, first off, this Friday, uh, this past Friday was Veterans Day. If you're a veteran, will you stand right now? You're a good group. I didn't even have to give you any instructions, so you know exactly what to do. Thank you for your service. Um, thank you. I want to I say a special thank you um, to, from the pastoral staff. Uh, the church treated us so well during October for Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, you were wonderful. Um, my birthday was last week. I did not intentionally take it off to duck all of you, and what I've learned is you won't let me duck you anyway. Um, I came home Friday night from dinner last, uh, last week and had a big happy birthday 40th sign in my um, yard, which I assure you that I will repurpose for someone else, <laughs> um, as will I the sign that's in the foyer. So if you missed it, there are cupcakes uh, in the foyer for my birthday, um, so you get to take advantage of my aging if you'd like to. Um, there, is, there is an activity in the church kind of right after the service, so... Um, you obviously can hang out and talk to your friends and have a cupcake, but um, we're also not really having like a Jonathan's birthday social after the service either. So, um, but please take a cupcake because if not, my kids will try to trick me into taking them home. And trick or treat has been more of a trick to my waistline in the last week or two than uh, needed. I've got a friend back there grinning at me. I don't know how I feel about it. So, uh, anyhow. Uh, thanks for all that you've done to show appreciation to my family, to me and Allison and the boys, and to the pastoral staff. Um, uh, lastly, but certainly not least, I hope you've, you've been paying attention, and I hope some of you are excited. This coming weekend, we are having revival Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So Friday and Saturday night, you'll be hearing Pastor Jim Copenhaver. Uh, Jim was on my staff and my right-hand man at Now Church, where I came from, and he took over the church when I left. And so I couldn't be more excited. He is a great evangelist, and he will bring a great message of the Word of God. His wife will be coming um, to join our praise team to, to sing, and we have some other guest singers as well. 
And then Sunday morning, we have Deborah Charles from our Brooklyn church, uh, from Brooklyn, New York. She'll be here to bring a message on Sunday morning. It'll be a great time. So be here uh, Friday and Saturday night at 7 p.m., Sunday morning at 1030. Most people ask for clarification. There's nothing Sunday night, um, but a great opportunity to bring your friends um, on Friday and Saturday when they don't have church and show them a little bit about what's going on at Cap City. All right, I'll be in Luke chapter 22 this morning. Luke chapter 22, if you want to find your way there. Um, it'll be, it's the second week of our, our two-week series called Signs of Life. Uh, Jacob and I were looking at the calendar together uh, a few weeks ago, and we recognized that we were going to have baptism and communion together. Um, you heard Jacob give a great message on baptism last week, and as I began to prepare my half of this series uh, this week, I go, man, we could have preached this series for like six or eight weeks when it comes to signs of life. There's so many subjects. When you think about the spiritual relationship to those um, ideas that um, cross over to the physical when it comes to signs of life, we could have talked about heartbeat, uh, appetite, desires, uh, breathing itself. We could have talked about blood flow. We're going to talk about the blood a little bit today as we take communion. We could have talked about consciousness and hope. Um, you know, when so sometimes when, or often when we go to the doctor, probably all the time when we go to the doctor, we talk about someone's vital signs, right? You guys understand what vital signs are. And, and what we're referring to are the signs of life, how strong or weak they are, how healthy or unhealthy. But since we're just spending these two weeks on signs of life for now, and we are focusing on communion today, my mind was drawn to the word remember. You see, when I think about communion, the first word that comes to my mind is remember. Um, I suppose that's Jesus's fault because that's exactly what he told us to do when we take communion. He said, when you do this, remember me. Memory is a sign of life. Memory is a sign of life. When str someone struggles to remember things, especially at a later age, we become concerned with their, their mental health and perhaps are even concerned that a debilitating disease has taken root in their life. Memory loss is, is difficult on that particular individual, but often even more difficult on those around her. I've witnessed this firsthand, as I'm sure many of you have. Some of the frustrating factors that take place is that the person doesn't remember something that they've been told over and over. But I think what is perhaps even more frustrating is that when someone starts to struggle with memory, that those around them might feel forgotten. They might feel less appreciated. They are no longer remembered as they once were. I've heard, I've heard someone state before when working with an Alzheimer's patient that many times those around the patient struggle more than the actual patient or the individual themselves because they don't recognize the loss as much as those around them do. But no matter what age or condition we're in, we all forget things, right? Right? We say things like, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot. How could I forget something so important? Don't look at your spouse. Some of, you some of us recognize we aren't going to remember everything, and we use calendars and phone apps and pictures to be our memory assistant, if you will. It would probably either be uh, the greatest curse or perhaps the greatest blessing if I were to lose my Google Calendar. We forget events like weddings and birthdays and anniversaries. We forget ideas. We leave things behind, like our keys or our wallets, and hopefully not our children too often. Whether we'd like to admit it or not, when we forget something, what we're actually saying is that the thing that was forgotten was not as important 
as something or someone else, at least in that moment. You pick that up this morning? Have you, I, you, you ever look at some, I mean, we think that we're excusing ourselves, and I'm guilty as this as anybody else. We think we're excusing ourselves when we look at somebody else and go, oh, I just completely forgot. Because what we're saying to that person is, oh, I really just didn't make you a priority today. Isn't that how you felt receiving it on the other side? One could argue this fact a little bit, but I'll give you some examples. I've never forgot that I have to preach. Believe it or not, every Monday when I wake up, I realize Sunday's coming. <laughs> but I have forgot to pray. I've never forgot that I have to go to work. But I have forgot that I have to go to the dentist. I've never, ever, ever, ever in my life forgot that I had a tea time to play golf. But I have forgot to take out the trash. I did it this morning before I left for church so my wife wouldn't come home to the frat house that she left when she went away with her, her mom and sister this weekend. The memory can be, uh, become a more difficult thing for many of us as we grow older. The bottom line is that much of what we remember has to do with what we have intentionally focused on or what we desired to remember. Saying I forgot to is, is one of the most hurtful things we could say to another person. I forgot your birthday. I forgot our anniversary. I forgot to pick you up from school. So uh, it, just so you, Al, Allison is, she, she does this trip with um, her mom and her sister every year. They, they go away. They have a, they have a great time. I, I love that they get to do it. Um, so they go Friday through Sunday. And Friday, that just means I'm the parent, right? I'm the mom and the dad. I'm everything that the boys need. And Ben gets out of school at 2.30. Now, you all, many of you know what a pickup line looks like, right? You know that if you want to be the first in line, you can't be there at 2.30. You have to be there at 1.50 to beat the mom <laughs> that doesn't have anything else to do that day and wants to make sure she's in the front of the line. And she's got a book with her to read. And she's got all... I honestly, I don't really have that kind of extra time in my life. I was actually with some people right up until it was time to pick up Ben on Friday. And as I was driving to Ben's school, I'm going, all right, I'm going to get there about 2.38. <laughs> right? It's a little different. So um, now, again, what you know about pickup lines is they don't end at 2.30 either, right? That's just the time they get out of school. So they can go till 2.40, 2.45, 2.50, whatever. And I still knew what I was going to hear from my seven-year-old Ben. Ben gets a lot. Ben's going to get a lot of quoting and credits in this sermon today. <laughs> my seven-year-old Ben, I pick him up about 2.40. There's still a dozen kids there, people in line. I mean, the line had to keep going. And Ben gets in the car. He goes, hey, Dad. He goes, you forgot about me. <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't, buddy. I'm right here. He goes, no, Mom's here earlier. <laughs> He gets it, right? Mom would be here earlier. Dad, you know it's raining outside. <laughs> we understand how much people prioritize us by the time they make for us. None of us likes to be forgotten. If a boss asks an employee to do something and they say that they forgot to do it, Church staff, I don't want to say I'm your boss, but if your pastor asks you to do something, you tell him you forgot, just remember this message. 
If a boss asks an employee to do something and they say they forgot, one of two things happen. Either the employee didn't prioritize their boss's instructions as being important to carry out, or the boss didn't make it clear how important the task was. When God, when God the Father sent his son Jesus to die for us, he made sure that we knew how important the mission was that he had for us. As best as I can tell, there are three key factors that cause us to remember or forget something today. The first one's intentionality. We remember things we intend to. Um, and you can leave the text up there, guys. I'm sorry, I'm taking a minute to get to it. But um, we remember the things we intend to. We use calendars, we make notes, we set reminders, and send confirmations. Some things are so important, we take extra measures to make sure that we did not forget it. Uh, secondly, we might remember out of necessity. We remember things that we really need to do. There's adverse results, perhaps, if we don't do these things. Going to work, paying the electric bill, or the wife's anniversary. These are things that can all end your life, right? The, the, third, or the third, we remember things out of desire. We remember the things that we really want to. Whether you realize it or not, you spend all of your free time. Get this one, church, this morning. You spend all of your free time doing exactly what you want to do. You go, no, I have to do laundry, I have to do this. That's, that's not your free time, right? That's work. That's a, but you have free time in your life. You spend your free time doing exactly what you want to do the most. Now, you may not be proud of that, but it is the truth. It is a reality. If you spend your free time watching TV, that's what you wanted to do. If you spend your free time trolling social media, that's what you wanted to do. Being creatures of free will, we do not particularly have permission to say, I wanted to be there more than anything, but I wasn't. That's a contradictory statement in and of itself. And at the end of the day, at the end of this life, we will not be able to stand before a holy God and say, God, I really wanted to spend more time with you, but I just didn't. Let's look at the text, Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. If you've been in church for a while, you know where we are. And if you haven't, Jesus had told the disciples he wanted to have the Passover meal with them. They'd made preparations for it. They were sitting at the table together right before he was to go to the cross. And in verse 14, he said, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Could we just stop right there for a minute? We're going to go ahead and say our first prayer of the day here in the service. Lord, what a powerful statement that someone made this morning that no matter what else happens today, we're going to see people choose to be baptized, to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they have made a decision, that they have decided to follow Jesus God, and that they want to bear witness to that to all those who are standing by today. Lord, help us celebrate this fact. But God, also, as, as we've made a decision to take baptism and communion together today, you just help us to realize maybe we've forgotten you a little bit. 
maybe not all together, but here and there and in the morning and the evening and maybe for a couple weeks or a couple months, maybe some of us just need to recall how much of a priority you're supposed to be in our life. Move us in the right direction in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the introduction today, I mentioned that we might be frustrated with someone struggling with memory because we have to tell them things over and over again. I'm sure God never feels that way with us, right? <laughs> Alice and I, every once in a while, we parent. You, you, you parent, like you say things to your kids, and we say something, and then we follow it with the phrase, says God to us. Like we might say to one of the boys, I won't, I, you can just assume we've said it to all three of them, I won't call any of them out. Why don't you just do what I tell you to do? Says God to us. Right? God knows that a sign of our spiritual life is a healthy memory of Him. And unfortunately, we have too many Christians today operating in a state of spiritual amnesia. It's easy to fill ourselves up with other things and then give God whatever is left. In Hosea 13, verse 6, God says, When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. A consistent theme throughout the Old Testament was that of Israel crying out to God, God meeting their need, the people entering a satisfied state, and then they forgot God. Sad to say, this was not a trend that ceased after the book of Malachi, but rather it's a trend that stayed true throughout the ages and right up until today. Francis Chan, who if, if you know, if you've read him or you know his story, this guy's, he's no lightweight. Just a handful of years ago, other pastors teased him um, because he decided, he basically had built a megachurch and decided just to sell all of his stuff and move his kids to China for a few years to make sure that they weren't off base. They moved back here and started another church again. He just, he chases the Holy Spirit around the world is what he does. And someone working at his level said, it may sound unchristian to say that on some mornings I don't feel like loving God or I just forget to, but I do. In our world where hundreds of things distract us from God, we have to intentionally and consistently remind ourselves of him. When Jesus said, remember me, it, was, it wasn't just simply something to take note of. It was a paradigm shift. Instead of, or in addition to remembering the Passover, he's saying, now I want you to remember me. In the same way you remembered the deliverance from your captivity, now think of the freedom that you have in me. Think of the impact that that had to have on those individuals when over the next 72 hours, this group would see Jesus dragged away, wrongfully persecuted, beaten beyond recognition, brutally and shamefully crucified, and then just as he promised, he would raise from the dead. I can imagine that many of the disciples immediately tried to suppress and forget about much of what took place in that weekend. And if I may just be over-theological here for a second and take a little liberty. Everything that was happening to Jesus prior to, to, to his resurrection was a representation of our sin. The, every stripe, every, every thorn in that crown, every nail, all the blood that flowed, it was for our sin. The shame, the guilt that was attached, we don't want to remember those things. And so we make distance between us and Jesus. We've heard the cliche, and they're cliches for a reason, that the word of God will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word of God. 
I don't want to remember my sin. I don't want to think about it. And drawing close to God brings that to memory until I see it in the light of his resurrection. So let me just give you a free one here, church, especially if you're going to come and ask for counseling or some advice on how to grow spiritually. I told you I don't judge you, but I do discern you a little bit. At this point, as long as I've grown up in a pastor's home and went to a Bible college and went to seminary and been around church and pastored and made all my own mistakes and and just speaking out of my own experience, every single time that I've struggled to be in the Word of God, there was sin present that I didn't want to manage. So when you come into the pastor's office and say, Pastor, I, want, I so much want to learn. I, I want to get better. I know I'm supposed to be reading the Bible, and I just don't have a desire for it. What I'd really like to say to you, I'll say it here so I don't have to say it to your face one-on-one. What sin don't you want to give up? What darkness does he keep shedding light on that you don't want to manage? That you don't want to not just manage, but extract from your life? Because I assure you that when you get past the blood, when you get past the shame, when you get past the guilt, when you get past the thorns, when you get past the cross, and you see the resurrection, and you're willing to live in freedom away from all those things, all the bondage and chains of sin, your appetite, your desire for the things of God will be insatiable, insatiable. And so this morning, we remember Jesus, not only his death, but his life. Jesus said, remember me, not just what they would see in the next few days, but all of who he was and is. So I issue this challenge to you today in in regards to remembering Jesus. Here's three quick questions. They are, they're quick. It's always scary when a pastor says quick because you think that's going to be like an hour, but I, I never say it unless I mean it. Here's three quick questions about your spiritual vital signs. Do you intentionally seek him? Is remembering Jesus every day something that you do with great intention. I once had a prayer partner and we took communion every we went, met every morning at like 6:30 or 7 in the morning. We took communion together every day for like 30 days I think. I, we didn't keep track cuz that wasn't the point of us doing it. And there was something powerful. There's nothing I don't think wrong about how much or little that you take communion. But you take communion with God every day with or without this cup. You can meet with him. You can remember the sacrifice that he made and his resurrection power. Is he the number one priority in your life? Not a priority, but the number one priority. Does everybody understand the difference between a priority and the number one priority? I'm being serious. Like, you you have things throughout the day. I put, I have way too many things on my calendar. But this weekend, Allison was going to be away, and, and not only that, my nephew spent the night on Friday night. We just had a blast. We had, like, frat house. I got most of it cleaned up, but we did pretty good. There's chi- there was chicken wings everywhere. Everywhere. But do you know what my calendar said Friday and Saturday? Like, number one, it's not that I didn't do anything else, but Friday and Saturday it said the boys. So the, I, you know what I mean? I, the sermon had to be done before Friday. It wasn't getting done. I didn't have a tea time. I mean, the weather was bad. That was, that was convenient. That's good. Nothing that I wanted to do was there. I had a priority. I wasn't planning on cleaning the garage or doing it. I mean, it really gave me a good excuse. I like being with the boys, but they were the number one priority this weekend. They, they had to be. Is he the number one priority in your life? My seven-year-old Ben, he told me and Allison the other day, mom and dad, I love you both 100%. Awesome. 
No one has ever in my life said they told me I love you 100%. That is cool. That is really cool. And while we know his heart, and it was beyond one of the awesomest moments you have with one of your kids, we all know that we can't love everything 100%. You can't love God and something else 100%. For God to be number one, nothing else can be. Question number two, do you recognize your need for him? Pride is the greatest enemy of us remembering Jesus. The more we think of ourselves, the less that we say that we need him. The truth of the matter is that most people see Jesus as someone that they need only when they have come to the end of themselves, which is good. It's a good recognition, but what I'm saying is you, you need him financially when the money runs out. You need him for your relationships when the marriage is on the rocks. You need him when your kids kind of go in a different direction than you expected them to go. But there's a solution to that. We can wake every single day and ask God to bring us to the end of ourselves, to recognize that it's always him and it's not us. Paul said it. One of the greatest men that ever walked the face of the earth said, I die daily. And so may we die daily as well to the desires of the flesh and walk alive in his Holy Spirit. God always begins where we end. Recognize that every hour of the day you need him. And then question number three this morning in regards to your vital signs, do you desire God? Our desire for God is too often reduced and minimized by all the comforts and amenities that we experience in the United States. All of these comforts and, and pleasures are fleeting and insatiable. And by the way, I didn't say you weren't allowed to have a good time. I didn't say you weren't allowed to be comfortable. I'm not, allow, I'm not saying you're not allowed to have pleasure or happiness. I think one day we're actually going to get to heaven and we're going to have to apologize to God for all the great things that he gave us to enjoy that we ignored. But they can't satisfy like he can. There's nothing better than you. Isn't that what we sang this morning? Do we really mean that? Somebody said that one of the things that we do, one of the scariest things we do in worship on Sunday morning is we make way too many people liars by the words we have them sing. It'd be hard to believe that in a room this size that every single one of you truly believes that there's nothing better than God. Not by your actions, not by the way you live your life, maybe in word, but do you really believe this morning that there's nothing better than Jesus? If that's the case, how is it impacting my day-to-day -day living? How is it impacting the way I excuse the way I talk to my spouse that I wouldn't talk to anyone else? How is it excusing the way that I challenge my, my children's behavior instead of coming alongside them to nurture them and help them grow and set an example for them? Jesus said that those who drink of the water that he gives would never thirst again. Make time for him today. Recognize your need for him and grow in your desire for him. I just want to make sure, um, do you have this if you want it? You don't have to raise it. I don't, uh, let's, let, that doesn't make any sense. I need to know if you don't have it. If you, if you don't have a cup and you want a cup, we, we have a few minutes. You don't have to be in a hurry. If you could just slip your hand up, we have people that will come to you so you can take communion with us. So just real quick, keep it up long enough for somebody to find their way to you. You can see people, if you don't want to keep your hand up a long time, you can wait till you see people moving your way. So just, I, I'm going to talk to you for a minute or two. We're not going to slow down too much yet. Um, but go ahead and just make sure you have that if you want it. Oh, by the way, this is new, right? I need to talk about new things. Um, 
Quick reminder, if you're new here today for the first time, I'm so glad that you're here. Who we are, we are Cap City Church, and a month ago, Hope Central Church decided to come be with us um, and join our congregation, so we're all together, and they've used these before. I don't know if we've ever used them at Cap City. I don't care how we do it, if there's something to represent the bread and the cup, um, and Miss Doris over there that helps us with communion, she, I think she was like, you mean I don't have to fill, fill 200 cups with a squirter? <laughs> We've learned so many things about these things. We found out that you can't use the one from six months ago because they do ferment. That's pretty pretty wild. (laughs) Carolyn, how many did you try before we cut you off? Seven, eight to make sure they weren't. (laughs) She lost count. Um, So good we can laugh in church. That's such a big deal. What a great family. What a great, great place to be. But we are. We're going to just move into a, a moment of, of being a little bit more serious. Before uh, The team's going to come now. That's Colton and whoever he brings the stage with him. And they're going to play a song. Um, Build My Life, Colton. Before I start talking about it, I just want to make sure I'm on the same page with him. Um, the song called, it, I, it says, I will build my life around you. Man, that's the answer to so much of what you're going through. Is your life built around Jesus? Of course there's other things. He doesn't expect you to pray eight hours a day. He doesn't, he doesn't expect you to go into full-time ministry. That might be a call that he has for you. But man, if you put him at the center, if you build everything around him, you'll watch him do great and powerful things in and through you for the kingdom of God. Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Corinth that the Lord's Supper, that's what we're taking today, is not something that should be done lightly, unadvisedly or unworthily, but instead a person should examine themselves and take part soberly, thoughtfully, and respectfully. In our church, we have open communion. That means we ask that you are a professing member of, of we, a professing Christian, a professing believer in Jesus Christ. We don't uh, know your business. We might know your business, but we leave that between you and God. You don't need to be a member of our church. You can be a first-time guest and if you believe you are a, a, a professing Christian and you know Jesus Christ, we want you to join us communion, and we're not keeping track of who's not taking it either. Um, so please feel, feel free to take it with us today as the Lord leads. What we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand. Um, you only had to stand for a couple songs, right? We're splitting some things up this morning. Um, but during these next few minutes, we just want to give you freedom um, to, to prepare for communion however you'd like to. That could mean, um, I know a lot of people like to just come and spend some time at the altar and examine themselves. That's always a good practice. It's something I frequently do. I Honestly, I, I knew we had a lot to manage this morning. I just spent some time with God by myself preparing for this service before I left the house. Be sure, above all other things, that you take part in communion today with a spirit that is focused on the work that Christ has done for us. I don't know about you. You know, all I... I, if I'm on vacation, I go to church somewhere else usually. I think we watched part of a live stream on the way down to Cincinnati. We went to the Bengals game. I think we watched part of a live stream on the way, way back. But I'll tell you what, like, if there's no better, if there's not a greater reason to be together on Sunday morning, I love that we come into a place and we focus on Jesus. Man, everything else in this world, I mean, from the moment that I wake up till the moment I lay my head down, it feels like something's trying to steal my attention. You just have to tell it to go away. You have to slip away, find a quiet spot. But this is also a great place to just focus on Jesus. 
So as they sing this song, you can come to the altar, you can pray where you are, or you can just worship if that's what's going to tune your heart to God as we sing this song. Um, this would be a great time. Um, just say, Jesus, help me to remember you. Help me to remember you. Let's sing this song and then we'll come back together for communion.
want people to go ahead and continue praying if they want to. Go ahead and have a seat, though. We're going to be together for a few minutes. Share a thought with you that the Holy Spirit just impressed on me to share with you. I've been having a conversation with a lot of people lately about passion. Some of my staff have already heard me say enough, they might be sick of it. They say when somebody gets sick of hearing something, they've maybe started to hear you. I like to tell my staff, do something in the community or the area that you love. Do something that you love so that people will see the passion that you have for it. Wonder where that passion comes from and then you can tell them about Jesus. Passion is something that seems to be so absent. I'm not talking about passion for another person, like hugs and kisses. I'm talking about having something that drives who you are, makes you get up in the morning, doesn't make it a long day when you get up at 3 a.m. and 9 p.m. that you're excited about what you did. And we're looking all over the place, and I'll tell you what, if you're struggling, if you're not passionate about being a butcher or baker or candlestick maker, maybe, just maybe, you should be passionate about Jesus. It was probably the biggest turning point in my life when I just said, that's what I'm going to be passionate about. And guess what? He still lets me have a lot of fun and do a whole bunch of other stuff I like to do too. But he's right there with me the whole time we're doing it. All right, so this might be a first time for some of you, so let's go ahead and get these open so we don't struggle with them. You peel the top seal, and then there's a piece of bread. And then you, top, you pull off another seal, and you try not to spill stuff on you, okay? We'll just get them open, get them ready. That way we don't have to be distracted by them too much as we talk here a little bit. Makes more noise than I thought it would. <laughs> Jacob has shared along the way. If you haven't got to hear it, just go up and ask him about it because I know he's going to love to tell you the story. Man, he's told a great, he's had a great testimony about new wine if you've heard it. Alexis, I think you were part of it too. He's doing a new thing. I don't know what the old thing is in your life, but he's doing a new thing. In John chapter 6, Jesus discussed with his followers that while God gave manna in the wilderness, that all those who had eaten of the manna were all dead and gone. Some people think those are kind of subtle or abrupt ideas to just kind of speak so lightly about the fact people are dead and gone. But even as he gave them manna in the wilderness, if you remember the rules, and maybe some of you don't know the story, and we're not in any hurry, and I preached kind of short today, I think. You guys can let me know later. But the rule, so manna was, it was bread from heaven. I, I assure you it tasted better than whatever your opinion is of angel food cake. It satisfied. 
And it would fall from heaven and be on the ground every day. And on the sixth day of the week, the day before the Sabbath, because he was trying to teach them to honor the Sabbath, on the sixth day, two days worth of man would fall. I'll listen to the church this morning. You think God's beating you up because you are or aren't working on the Sabbath or whether or not you go out to eat or, or what you do with Sunday, whether or not you're allowed to take a nap or, or do yard work. Let me tell you what he was trying to teach you. He was trying to teach you that he was enough. On day six, he gave double provisions so that you could rest in him on the seventh. He's more than enough. That's what this man is about. That's what this bread's about. He said all of those, because they were hung up on the past. And you know what? Let's be real. We're all a little too hung up on the past. Listen, I, I don't need any comments from the crowd this morning about who you love or don't love. I'm talking about football here for a second. I won't even mention a team so I don't beat you up. It doesn't matter how many teams your Super Bowl, your, how many Super Bowls your team won, does it? It's about this year. I'm a Bengals fan. We went to the Super Bowl last year, and you know a Super Bowl t-shirt last year cost $50. Do you know how much one costs right now? Five. Because it doesn't matter anymore. We need to quit hanging our hats on yesterday's victories. New wine, new bread. Listen, he, he's talking to them in John chapter 6, and he says, all of those that ate this precious manna, they loved Moses. The, the Pharisees, the scribes are hanging around Jesus. They love Moses. I just read this morning, well, you can, be, you can be a son of Jesus, but we're a son of Moses. By the way, what they were saying is, I, we were sons of the dead guy. They were talking to the son of God saying, well, we're sons of the dead guy. And then Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And that we must eat of him if we wanted to be part of who he was. Listen, listen to how big of a statement this was. If you know John chapter 6, we get into the latter part of that chapter. We get in, and he's telling them about this in verses like 60 through 70. And as he tells them this, this is kind of a turning point in his ministry. Because all of a sudden they're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, you're bigger than Moses. You're the son of God. You speak on behalf of the Father. You're going to supply all our needs. It says a bunch of them left. It said this, was, this statement was too much for some of them to fathom, too much for some of them to handle. And Jesus turned and looked at Peter, who was still trying to figure this whole thing out. Peter was asking questions, and he was jumping out at everything, and he, he was just this passionate, fiery guy. He was a fisherman. By the way, in that society, it meant he hadn't made it as anything else. So he just went back to the boats and do what he do what he needed to do to make life. But he was, he was a dreamer. I talked to some of you that don't have a passion about something. He was fishing, but he didn't really care so much about fishing. Does that make sense? Some of you are fishing today, but you're waiting for something more. And when Jesus asked Peter, he said, aren't you going to leave? Aren't you going to go back to everything you can rely on like everybody else? And in John 6, 68, Peter looked at Jesus and he said, where else can I go? You have the words of eternal life. This was the Son of God incarnate, and he had everything to give them. I just talked to you so much without my notes, my screen went off. 
He was telling them that more than they needed the very thing that kept them from dying of starvation, they needed him. He was and he is the bread of life. And a spiritual sign of life is that they would have a desire for him more than the desire they had for physical sustenance. If they accepted him, he would accept them and he would be their everything. Aren't you tired of people letting you down? I've talked to you about versions of Jesus over the last few weeks. If there's anyone that shows you a version of Jesus that's letting you down, that's not the right version. Jesus will never, ever let you down. It's a misunderstanding. It's a lie. It's a misinterpretation. If you're feeling let down, it's not Jesus. Jesus loves you, and he will be there for you through thick and thin. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, back at our text, says, And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take the bread together. I don't, take, I don't make too much out of things that happen like this, but I just spilled mine all over the place. For some reason, I brought two of these up here. Man, the Holy Spirit's so good to us. I spilled the blood, and there's still enough. More than enough. Won't run dry. There for every sin. There's power in this blood. We don't believe this is the blood, right? It represents the blood. But I believe there's power in the blood. The wonder-working power of the blood. And the precious blood of the Lamb. If Corinthians tells us, and it does, Corinthians tells us that those who eat and drink unworthily are susceptible to death and sickness. They were people in that time that were throwing this around. And it doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter if I'm a Christian. I just want to be a part and participate. And I'm going to not take all of this seriously. It actually says that some died and a lot of you are sick and not well off because they were trying to teach the importance of how big it was. Now, I've never been in a service where somebody's dropped dead because they took it unworthily. It doesn't mean we should make light of it. But would it, not only, would it not only seem right to believe that if taking it unworthily could bring sickness or death, that taking it in a worthy manner could bring life and healing? It can. I, I believe that with all my heart. The scripture tells us that in our sin, Romans 5.8, says God commended or demonstrated his love towards us. We know what it says. While we were yet sinners, God gave me this the other day when I was reading this. When we hated him, he died for us. Amen. Romans 8 goes on to say, Romans, or Romans 5 starts off in that chapter and says, many of you won't die for a good man. While you hated God in your sin, in your trespasses, yet even then, his blood was shed for us. Luke twenty two twenty from our text today says, and in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let us take the cup.
Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray again this morning. Lord, may we never forget there's more than enough blood at the cross for everyone. I can't sin enough, sin bad enough, sin too much. Lord, we don't want to abuse your grace, but you just keep chasing after us. When we leave willingly, you're right there waiting for us to return. God, if there's anyone here today that doesn't think that they measure them up, help them to understand that they don't. None of us do. You've told us that we've all come short, so we all just have that in common, and we need you. God, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for empowering us to live in resurrection power with you. In Jesus' name. All right, well, so far so good. Um, here's what we're going to do. If you're getting baptized today, uh, Pastor Jacob probably told you or is walking around to help you right now. There are places where you can go get changed and prepare for baptism. And Jacob's going to take care of you for the next uh, five or ten minutes, getting where you need to go. And uh, Pastor Je Jacob and Pastor Ed are going to... Um, be here in the tank baptizing people um, and we, we've just got another we've got another song we're going to do here um, and, and we're really just going to do that to give them some time so you don't have to sit here uh, and just kind of stare at us while we talk so here in just a second Colton's going to start another worship song but I, I've pastored a church that had a baptism like this and there's somebody in the back row that's going to go I can't see them now you can take liberty you can just move from one seat to another but I'm as serious as I can be I'm not, I'm not, I love you if you're on live stream day. We're so glad you're here. If you go, man, I couldn't see what was going on, come out next week and then you'll know what, what's happening here. But if you're friends or family of someone that's getting baptized today, you can go wherever you want. Position yourself wherever you want while we sing this next song. There's, there's room for quite a few people up here. We'll help you get around on stage. But this is, this is the biggest moment, one of the biggest moments that a person can partake of in their lifetime. And if you love them, if, you're, if you want to be near them, I'm as serious as I can be, as, as, as close as you want to get, if you want to be right down here by the water, or if you want to get or come around the altars or stay where you are, I, I just want to make sure that you know that you have that freedom. Um, some, some people might think the word party is diminutive, but Jacob did a great job. I listened to his sermon last week. This is a celebration. I kind of I kind of like that we there's a new song that we sing that says hell lost another one. Somebody was going to go to hell and now they're going to heaven. Eternal damnation to eternal life. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. All right, so you can as as Colton leads, you can sit, stand, move around to the spot you want to get to, uh, whatever you want to do. This is a time just to be together and have a great time as we have uh, a time of celebration this morning.
Well, if you'll allow me for just a second, since they're not quite in the tank, I don't get to preach to the church too often. Uh, I only need a minute or two with them because they get in a minute when it takes me a half hour to tell all you. Kids, I'm so glad you're in here. We're going to baptize some people today. 
and we want you to understand what's going on. The people that are getting baptized somewhere along the way have made a decision to follow Jesus. And because Jesus was baptized, we want to be baptized. That's what we're supposed to do after we give our lives to Jesus. There's nothing magic that happens in the water. There's nothing the water does for us except that it shows that we're being obedient to Jesus. Does that make sense? You guys can shake your head at me, can't you? So when you make a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you've already made that decision, you can talk to Miss Scott. Miss Scott, <laughs> that'd be, I, I, won't say, I won't go ahead and say Mr. Terror. That wouldn't be nice. But you can talk to Miss Terror or, or, or Mr. Scott and say, you know, I want to talk to the pastor about being baptized. And if you, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what Jesus wants next for your life, okay? Yeah. Wow. So we're going to schedule another baptism real soon. First off, pastors always say this, like, hey, if you're here and you want to get baptized, you can come in. You'll be wet and you'll be cold and you'll have to figure something out. But certainly don't say, well, I'm going to wait till they have the next baptism. If we have baptism today and you say, man, I want to be baptized, we're going to be here Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. We'll just keep the tank open, okay? Don't hesitate for a minute to ask to be baptized. We'll do it every week if that's what God wants us to do. I think we're getting close. I'm usually in the water and... Uh, thankfully, I have good pastors around me now, and we get to split up these responsibilities a little bit. Um, but Pastor Jacob's going to do it. Um, my Uncle Larry is getting baptized today. Yeah. And uh, so Jacob's going to help with that. And then Miss Cindy White is getting baptized today. Uh, um, Mrs. Cindy White, and uh, Ed's been a big part of her life, and she, he's, she's going to be in there with her husband, Malcolm, he's going to help out with that as well today. So we, we've, we had a bigger list. We had a family get sick this morning. So we really are going to be scheduling another baptism. If it's a step that God's asking you to take, we want you to see a pastor um, as soon as you can. Look at these guys. Look at Joel setting stuff up. And you can see now if you want to. But I'm serious. Last call. If you want to come and be able to see a little bit closer uh, or be closer to the stage, I'm going to be quiet now and turn things over to Pastor Jacob. said baptism. So you can do that again. Uh, we are celebrating new life here. Um, and there's a young lady who's about to come out. Her name's Natalia, and she's one of our youth group girls. And um, it, it caught me a little off guard. Somebody uh, texted me after youth group one day and said, Natalia signed up to be baptized. And I thought, man, that's fantastic, isn't it? And so she's coming in the water here. But here's what I want you to understand. What we pray over the people in these baptism waters is that their eyes would be open to the things of God and that the Spirit would come and dwell in their lives. So we're going to pray over Natalia. And we're going to baptize a young lady into right relationship with an almighty God. We serve a good God. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much 
Lord God. Thank you. Who has given her life to you. Yes. And now makes a public declaration that she wants to serve you for the rest of her life. We pray, Lord God, that as she enters these spirit-filled waters, that your Holy Spirit would dwell mighty in her life, giving her wisdom, understanding, and a heart for you. And we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. my uncle Larry Meadows next. Um, we had a spontaneous baptism at Hope Central a couple months ago, and he said, if I had known, I would have got baptized. I think he was just holding out for the nice warm water you all have here. Our baptism was always cold, but I am excited to see his faith journey over the last couple years, and I'm glad he's taking the plunge. And so we're going to baptize And Lord God, I pray the Holy Spirit yes. would fill his heart and his mind so that there could be wisdom and understanding of who you are. Yes. Give him the fullness of your love, grace, and mercy. We baptize Larry in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. husband Malcolm is going to be assisting us in this one. Cindy would like to just share a few
this amount of money. I'm here today with Bob and Mary Mary Miller. Please stand. This man right here, he is an answer, embodiment to the answer of prayer. So if you're single and you're past the age of 38, don't get this kid. Okay? He's my first husband. <laughs> At 50. I want you to know that he inspires me every day to come up higher. That he encourages me every day to be a better
Jesus Christ is the only answer. It's my privilege to be here. It's my privilege right now to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the likeness of his death, buried in him and risen in the likeness of his resurrection. In Jesus' name. church. Take this with you. Our time together, our times together are important. These were awesome decisions to to see be made today um, and decisions that went before these as well. Hey, we're we're as serious as we can be. If if you're ready to be baptized or you think you're ready to be baptized, uh, reach out to a pastor uh, as soon as you can. We'd love to do that. We'll baptize people all weekend if we have to when we're here. Um, That's fine with us. But Um, We're going to say goodbye to our crowd online, and we won't keep you uh, much longer. We'll wrap up here. Um, We're going to invite our ushers to come forward to help us receive um, the offering. Um, As a reminder, you can give online. Uh, You can, uh, if if you came over from Hope Central, we hope you know you can still give and mark your check to Hope Central as we wrap up selling the building over there. Things are going the way uh, that we need them to go to get that done as well. Um, But let me pray over the offering. I'll give you a couple questions.